Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, we have a special guest, Christy Jones from Sales Acceleration Group. Christy, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Christopher, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have conversation today around all things good sales leaders should know. There you go. I love it. And I'm excited to have you here. Uh, Christy, tell me about Sales Acceleration Group. Sure, Christopher. I started the company about five years ago. Um, I have about, prior to that, about 15 years of SaaS sales leadership experience. And so I, I uh, made a decision that I could help more than one company at a time. And so I uh, branched out and really my main swim lane, as I say, is mostly helping privately owned companies. A lot of my companies are VC backed. Um, a lot of them are in the software space. So a lot of tech startups. Uh, so I say I do zero and I do improvement. And so a lot of times when a company gets funding for maybe a VC or a PE or, or just bootstrapping, and are ready to kind of formalize and build out the sales process, sales strategy, tools, and people. I come in to help do that. Um, and then when things are maybe not going as well, I get that call uh, to come. I call it look under the hood. Um, and I look for look around and the people process and tools again to see what can be done. Most times I would say process is broken. Um, so I don't, I never, uh, you know, I never throw any, throw any people under the bus until I've seen the process. Normally we can fix a lot of the people problems if we fix the process. So right. I really enjoy, I say I'm a process strategist. Um, obviously I'm also a sales trainer by just organically needing to help people with the sales process and, and doing some improvement in sales soft skills training there as well. But I love the area that I'm in. I love helping privately owned companies, um, you know, take that, you know, take that million dollar idea and turn it into a 20 million or a $200 million idea, however far they can take it. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show, because I'm a huge process guy. It's all about process if you want to be successful. Um, and so I want to go back and break those two segments down and dive a little bit deeper. So for those companies that that come to you, that they're VC backed and they're just getting started, what are those problems or issues or goals that they have for you to really get them going? How do you could you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, there's really no formality, right? So again, um, all good VC-backed startups start with founder-led sales, as I call it. So, um, and that's always a little bit interesting because a lot of founders don't have a sales or marketing background, but they, you know, they built the product, made the baby, um, and then went out into the world and their passion really carried them through the sales process, right? Like they know everything about their own product because they built it. And the passion behind that and the reason why, you know, my favorite founder story is I was working for the man and I had a problem that I went out into the world to find a solution for, and there wasn't one. And I thought, if, if I have this problem, then everybody has this problem in my position. And so they got some money and they solved the problem, right? So we love that. Um, but they're not but they're not sales or marketing leaders for the most part. No. <laughs> so, no. And so, yeah, so I mean, everything from um, mishiring, right? So I walk into a lot of companies. So one of the services that I offer is what I call hiring help. Um, I'm not a recruiter. I don't source, but I project manage the hiring process because I say sales reps are professional interviewees. And so mistakes happen. Um, so, you know, helping people guide through like, you know, again, like, you know, hunters are hard to hire. 
you know, they're, you know, they're slippery. Um, and so you've got to make sure you find the right one. So everything from like, they don't necessarily have the, you know, if they've tried to hire or replace themselves, if I say, um, sometimes they've made some mistakes around that. Um, chances are um, they, they don't have a formal prospecting process at all. Um, again, they've been, you know, calling on the friends and family card, if you will, and, and the investors have helped out and throwing them some business, but they don't have a formal outbound prospecting strategy. They don't have a formal inbound strategy. Um, and so really, like I call it building top of the funnel. So I spend a ton of time helping them build the top of the funnel and then building out the stages of the sales cycle. What is like, I put checklists together, right? So like every stage has a checklist. What are the things that need to be accomplished in order to move to the next stage? Like what's qualification for even getting in the pipeline? Um, and then like, and then there's a nurture perspective. I call it NRNs, not right nows. The world is filled with not right nows. Um, and so, and that, you know, in, in apathy is the number one reason why deals don't close, right? right? And so those are filled with not right now. So do we have a not right now strategy? Um, most people call that a nurture strategy of some sort, but I don't mean just kicking it back to marketing. I mean, what is the sales rep going to do to ensure that that deal will close at some point? Because you've already put on, but you've already put in on the hard work. Yeah. No, no reason to quit now. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about a lot there that I think applies to really just about any business, regardless of where you're at in your life cycle. There's, you talked about a lot of issues that I guarantee you there's people listening and going, yeah, those three, I've got those three problems. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, what's the advice you have for, you know, if I'm in one of those, if I have one of those problems and I wanna really begin addressing it, what advice do you have for those people to how to get started? Yeah, I say process before people. So, you know, bringing in people without a process is really setting them up to fail. And, and that's just frustrating for them and frustrating for you, right? And then, you know, I get I get a call from founders all the time saying like, sales team's broken, like something's wrong. And I go, hmm, maybe. I go, I, I don't come in just to do sales team evaluation. I said, I, I'm gonna have to look at the process too. You know, and for most of the time, that's the, that's the reason, right? And so you've got to have, you have to have that formalized process. If you don't put top of the funnel in, then, you know, most people, again, remember, like in my world, only, you know, I mean, on a good day, 20% are closing, right? That means 80% are not closing. Yeah. That means we have to keep filling 80% at the top. That's hard. You know, outbound prospecting is hard. Um, but, you know, but without, and, and most of it's just consistency, right? What I find is, you know, we have tools out there now, right? HubSpot's got sequences, Sales Loft, Outreach, Apollo, like you name it. We got, we got prospecting automation tools, right? So there's no excuse anymore for not being consistent about that. But, but that, that really is the problem. So the founder will say, well, like, yeah, I, like I, I made a bunch of calls last week and I go, what are you done this week? Nothing. Right. Or the sales rep, you know, got, well, we had to then, then we had to stop doing that so we could do this. And so really helping them understand that like the only way to be successful building top of the funnel with an outbound prospecting strategy is consistency because you, because, you know, you just it start and stop. Like I always say, if four days go by and the prospect doesn't hear from you, assume to start at zero again. Right. Right. And one of the things you said there, you mentioned a bunch of uh, tools like Apollo and, and Sales Loft and all that. One of the things I see is people will bring in technology thinking that's going to fix the problem. Yeah. What do you so say about technology that? Technology is just a tool to execute. That's right. <laughs> the execution tool. That's not the tool, right? That's not yeah. the process. They don't create the process. They just help execute. Yeah. I was listening to you and there's a, a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur here in Denver that took his business from you know three four million a range to 12 million and as he was going through that he was churning through salespeople, and he was constantly singing like you know my i can't find any good salespeople. i'm just i'm i'm you know just it's a revolving door and then it finally dawned on him 
problem's not the salespeople, the problem's me. I have right. no process, I have no support. I'm, I'm thinking I'm hiring a Rolodex to solve this problem for me, that they're gonna come in and fix all my issues. Yes. That's not how it works. Do you see that a lot in your world? Um, I really don't anymore. I used to see the Rolodex problem all the time. You know, they're like, I have to hire someone in my industry. I have to hire someone in my industry. And I said, here's the deal. Most people in your industry sold them the product and they're under contract. So, I mean, like, you know, I said, I said, you need a good solution salesperson. And, and again, I don't like, I'll be honest. I don't really hire people who've sold a product, but if you've sold any kind of service, I can make that work. Right. As long as you weren't selling heavy equipment or, you know, something like that piping or, or, you know, some sort of a product. And so I said, we just need a good solution seller right? Who understands the concept of process, who understands the importance of discovery, who understands that discovery is not an event. <laughs> so a lot of people think discovery is just a call um, to understand that discovery, you know, is, a, is part of the process and it's not an event. And so, you know, I, I really don't, I, I've been, I, I'm just pretty firm up front with people about what they should be looking for and expecting. And there are times that people have brought in, um, I have a client in Kansas City that um, is in the automotive industry. And they built their first sales team with people from the automotive industry. Now, nobody's from the automotive industry. Um, so you've learned your lesson the hard way. And I just said, you need hunters. You need solution selling hunters. And we can teach them the industry, right? right. But, but I mean, I'm always shocked at the number of candidates that I interview and, and then end up hiring that have had zero formal sales training at a prior job. Like really? 85%. Yeah. They've had industry training. They've had product training. They've been trained on the process, but they don't have basic sales skills training. They don't have soft skills training. Right, right. So we, we've talked a lot about the VC world. Let's talk about the other component of your business, uh, the, the non-VC customers. What are the problems they're dealing with and you know, solutions they're looking for when they engage with you? Yeah, um, some of my clients I call like the 20 year startup, right? So they've been, they've been around, they've been plugging along. It's a lifestyle business, right. but it gets harder along the way, right? In a lot of those cases, sometimes the owner was playing sales leader um, and everything seemed fine, but for some reason, like something changed, something got harder, you know, the, you know industry changed, the you know, economic situation changed globally or something like that. And so a lot of times it's, the, it's a lot of the same problems, actually. It's just, there's not the pressure of the board, right? Or the, and the VC backed company. I mean, the thing that makes the, the startup so unique in the VC backed situation is you gotta go before the board every month, right? right. And the pressure that the pressure that, that the people have invested and want their money back um, is super high. You know, in a privately owned company, and a lot of those, by the way, are, are family owned companies. Like I spent right. a lot of time in family owned companies, right? And so, you know, the board happens at the kitchen table <laughs> and it can happen on any given night of the week, right? There's there may not be some formality around that. Um, but I had a, I had a family owned, privately owned company um, when I first started my business who reached out and kind of said, can we have lunch and got to lunch and there was a, some him and holiday. And I said, what am I doing here? And he's like, we haven't been profitable for the last three years. And I was like, wow. Okay. Like, like, and we had, we, we'd actually had a business relationship in a prior life. Um, where he was a partner of a, of a channel partner of a, a company I'd worked at previously. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he said, can you take a look? And I said, sure. Well, his compensation plan was just crazy. Like he wasn't compensated. Like he was, it was evergreen. Like, like, and, then he, and he had reps that had been there 16 years. <laughs> so, you know, you start to do the math on that. And I'm like, um, I'm like, your payroll to revenue ratio is off the chart. Right. And then they don't know what they don't know. Right. And I think a lot of times in that situation, I get that type of call 
because I'm not in the circle, right? Like I'm not part of the golf foursome. I'm not having the cigar after work with bourbon. And like, they're like, like a lot of, like a lot of entrepreneurs, as you know, spend time with other entrepreneurs, but like, that's an embarrassing conversation to bring up, right? Like everybody's sitting around looking successful. And all of a sudden you haven't been, you haven't been making any money for two to three years. And so I get that call too, where kind of, you know, from like, I'm a safe person to call, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I may run into you to the grocery store, but I'm not gonna run into you on, on the seventh hole. Um, and so, you know, I, those are, I get those calls too, where, Hey, listen, like, you know, I, I heard your name through somebody or, you know, and, and things just haven't been going that well. How do you engage with those, with those customers? You know, do you, do you, is it different than the startups? Um, it is a little bit because it, it's, it's a little, sometimes it's undoing things, right? Whereas at least I love the startup world because I get to come in there at almost zero. Right. And so right. we're building it from, we're building it from zero, which means we get, to, we can do it right the first time. In this case, I have to come in, you know, at that point I say, I got to come in and do that evaluation. Right. I got to know what we're dealing with. Um, and then like, and then things like this, like I just described pop up, like, oh my gosh, you're paying them what? Like, no, no, that's not industry standard. Like, no wonder you're broke. Um, and so really getting in there and seeing like what, you know, from a sales perspective, where are we at? You know, we've been, you've had the same manager for 20 years, hypothetically. Right. And so you like, unless that person's going out and getting additional training. So a lot of times we're like, Hey, like techniques have changed. Technology is like, again, a lot of those companies are not up on a lot of the tech that we, what, that we now have. Um, new outbound prospecting, you know, techniques. Um, I, you know, I call it, I call it the, the dreaded threaded, you know, so remember when we all like every email started with RE <laughs> and I saw people doing that. They're like, yep. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, we're, people are onto that now. We can't do that anymore. Right. Like, like that only worked, that only worked for like the first 18 months. And then people were wise to that, but you like, you know, somebody read an article, right. A few years ago and like threading is the way to do, you know, thread, thread these emails and, and they're still doing that. Right. So a lot of times it's coming in and saying, Hey, listen, like it's time to drink different Kool-Aid. Um, and, and, you know, in, if they've had longtime employees, that's a little bit of a challenge, right? Because that's, that's ingrained. It's not just a sales problem. It's a cultural issue. Oh yeah. And those are often the hardest to solve. What advice do you have for a sales leader that is listening and saying, Hey, that's me. That's my business. Yep. Um, living, you know, that's us. What's your advice? You know what? There are so many great resources out there that there, that, that never existed. So there are fabulous books and fabulous authors out there, you know, because of the pandemic, I mean, there were never cheaper ways to get educated than there are right now. You know, you don't have to go get on a plane and go to a two day seminar anymore. You can take a You can take a two day seminar online for half the price. Um, or so, I mean, there are so many, so I would say like, I guess I get most frustrated with people who are not doing their own professional development or personal development. Like I'm, a, I'm on the lifelong learner, um, you know, campaign. Yep. And so like, and I do like, it's, it's my obligation to my clients, you know, to read books, to stay on top of things, to attend webinars, to go to seminars, you know, go to conferences so that I can bring that back. But I also expect you to do some of your own, you know, education as well. And again, like we probably have more resources than we need right now. Right. It's almost overwhelming. Um, but I'm just surprised that people, when I say like, you know, well, what's the last leadership book you read? What's the last business book you read? Um, and I'm like, I'm an audible junkie. So now I just say, what's the last business book you listen to? Um, but there's so, but I mean, like I've, I'm always listening to something and, you know, and, and again, like there are no new ideas. We're just recycling old and like customizing them or tailoring them to our situation. Yep. Yep. So as part of our prep for the podcast, I always like to ask the guests, is there one topic you're really passionate about that you want to talk about today? 
And you brought up accountability, which I love. Talk to me about accountability as a sales leader. Yeah, I, uh, that's kind of the other challenge I walk into for, for sure, Christopher, is, is we, may or might, we may or may not even have a quota when I walk in the door, by the way. But in the event I have a quota or we're, gonna, we're agreeing to put one in place, I said, no, we can do this, but what happens if they don't hit quota or they're off target? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what are the consequences? Because it's only fair that the sales rep knows what the expectations are and what will happen if, right? And so that's where it gets, it's probably most tricky, as you pointed out, it's probably most tricky in the, on the, in the non-VC companies and the privately held bootstrapped family owned, right? Because the family word starts to creep in, creeps in a little bit on the VC side too. But, you know, they're like, hey, like, well, we're not going to terminate anybody. And I said, well, okay, but, but, you know, like I call this addition by subtraction, right? And so, you know, we have to hold, if you're not going to hold people accountable and you're not going to put them on a performance improvement plan or have a verbal conversation or, you know, send them out for training, like, what are we going to do? And so, but what happened, what I find is that people think, so people think expectation setting is micromanaging, which it's not. And then people think accountability is punishment, which it's not. So it really is how I frame it. And I really, you know, and I really say to them, like, there, you know, there, there's a reason why, you know, majority of sales reps are not at 70% of quota. And I wonder how much of that is accountability. Now, is there a chance that the, that the quota is inflated, particularly in a VC-backed company? Sure, there is. But everybody should be getting to 80%, right? And so do we, you know, and, and having, like I say to people, I go, you have to have, you have to have the upfront January expectation conversation. And again, just like discovery is a process, not an event. That's not an event either. We need to do that quarterly. I mean, the business environment last year, right? 2020, I mean, businesses were shifting on a 30-day mark, if not a three-day mark. And so how on earth, you know, and, and even last year, I said to people, I go, have you sat down with every one of the sales reps and told them what your work from home expectation is? Like, you know, they've got kids, right? You know, they're doing homeschooling. So is it okay if they get on at 6 a.m. and take a break at 11 and don't come back on till two, but work till seven? And do they know that that's okay or not okay? Right. And so it's everything. Like I have communication expectations discussions. Like, you know, when I was in, when I was in the office, I told people, I'm like, Hey, listen, like you can totally just come and sit, stand in my doorway. That's acceptable communication for me. Right. Whereas other managers would be like, don't hover. I don't like that. You know, so I don't think people really understand leaders really necessarily understand all of the categories of expectations. It's not just say, Hey, here's your half million dollar quota for 2021. Go get them tiger. Yeah, I just had a conversation today with an owner of a, a, a company who we were talking about accountability from a CRM perspective, owning the data in CRM. It's an ongoing issue at his company. This is a new client of ours. Um, and he said to me, I've had this discussion with my sales team so many times. Why are sales leader leaders having to repeat these discussions? What's missing? I think a upfront conversations and expectations. So, I mean, I just came into a client recently and it's a, it's a mess. Like they've got Salesforce and it's just like, I mean, you know, that's the 800 pound gorilla and most people don't even need that, you know, that kind of, you know, expansive CRM system, but I mean, it's just a mess. And I, and then I, you know, start to interview people as I do. And the head of, of customer success says, yeah, like nobody's like, nobody's filling out notes. I go, what? They're like, well, they're filling out the fields because we made it mandatory, but they're not actually like writing anything in the, you know, they're not completing a call note. And I'm like, huh? And so I'm like, why do you think that is? She goes, 
because nobody's made them. I was like, okay. Um, and I'm really militant about it. Like, you know, like I have, I CRM hygiene, I have no zero tolerance. And, and so I, I do think like it's setting the expectation, but it's explaining the why. And I say to people like, listen, we bought this as an employee benefit, like, like healthcare, like dental, like PTO, we gave you the most important tool that you're ever going to have. How on earth are you expected to remember a conversation you had 30 days ago if you do not complete your call notes in the CRM system? And how are you supposed to know how many calls you even need to make every day if we don't have the data to help you do your personal sales math? And so I say, I mean, it's not negotiable. And I say to them, listen, if you don't want to do sales hygiene, that's cool. I'm going to opt out of the base salary too, if that's okay. Oh yeah, uh, that is, I could not agree. I, people that are listening, if you watch this on YouTube, you see me like go, you know, raise my arms and go, yeah. Because I, I could not agree more that that's the part that's missing is the why. You have to explain why it's important. It's not enough to just say, do this. You have to get people to buy in. Yes. Um, and unless you live in like uh, yes. somewhere where you have absolute control, which doesn't exist, um, you have to give them a why, a meaningful yes. why, how it helps them, but it's also how it helps the rest of the, the, the organization. Right. Management is making decisions based upon what's in CRM. Customer success is preparing for that handoff, you know, when that deal is closed by the notes, the information that's in CRM. If it's not there, they can't do their job. Yeah. That customers, that relationship is not going to be managed appropriately. You know, yeah. so I'm here with a CRM consultant now at one of those clients I mentioned. And he says, and I'm putting together literally, I've I've done this this week. This is where I spent a, a, a decent amount of time. I put a Salesforce expectations document together, CRM expectations document together. Right. And I said to him, like, and he's been like, you know, the magic on the back end. And he's been, you know, creating the reports and all of this and you know, doing all the integrations and those type of things. And I sent it to him and I sent it to this to customer success director and I said, what's missing? Like, I just, I, I said, just at the basics, but we're going to roll this out to the team next week. And it's going to be, you know, and again, like, it's fine. I have to come in and reset expectations or set expectations that were never there. And at the bottom, he put, if it's not in the CRM system, it never happened. <laughs> That's right. You know, I feel the exact same way, but he's like, he put it in this, he put it in this funky font and put it in blue and it was hilarious. And I was like, I'm like, it's so true. But I said, you guys, like, this is not like, I go, this is not punishment. And for every sales job, there is a percentage of administration that has to happen, right? Yep. Like this is just part of the job, but most people don't understand. I go into a lot of companies, Christopher, where they don't understand their, per, what I call personal sales math, right? And they like, they don't know what their close rate is, what their average sale is, what their sales cycle is. And so like, they just know that they've got the same half million dollar quota as the three people sitting around them, but they have no idea that they can get there a different, that they're going to probably get there a different way than each of those three people, that everybody's going to get there a different way. Well, if I don't have that data in the CRM system, how on earth am I going to help you figure that out? That's right. There's no way, like if you get into trouble and you're, you're like, you had a great first quarter, but your second quarter sucks. How can you figure out why? If you can't go back and look at CRM and right. say, Hey, you know, I see you doing this. Have you thought about trying this? Yes. You can't yes. do it. Yeah. And, it, and it's just, it, and I think they get, you know, sales managers, like they, you know, we get worn down just like anybody. Right. <laughs> so, and so, you know, like, you know, you get pushback on that. And, and I just have just been real, like, again, since, I mean, I go all the way back, my first CRM system I'll date myself was goldmine and going all the way back, back in the day. 
And, you know, I, I was, I knew like I'm a data chick. Right. And so I knew that there was liquid gold and then their hills, no pun intended for gold mine, but there was. And so I was like, guys, like you like help me help you help you help yourself, you know? And then again, like you said, and then help, you know, help the um, customer service team and help the customer success team, you know, like help us figure all this out, help marketing, like all of that data is so important. And it's really like, yeah, I think, you know, I think when you approach it as a punishment, that's what it's going to feel like. Right. Right. But if you approach it as this is like, like assume I'm giving this to you just as I gave you health insurance. It's that important. And I think in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, it's, I love what you said about this is not a punishment. This is, you know, we're giving you another tool for success. Mm-hmm. That's what this is all about. It's a tool to help us succeed for everyone to achieve their goals, your personal goals, you know, be a compensation or success or, you know, the feeling you get when you hit quota. Um, but it's also for the whole organization. We're all working towards the same thing. We all have to be, you know, pulling in the same direction. That's right. So, if I've got that team, you know, if you're in that room with a business owner I was today, what would you say to, to him? Like, it really has to be a non-negotiable. I mean, it really does. And they're just some non-negotiables. And the reason why we can have them is because we are paying you a base salary. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, if you're hundred percent commission rep, I got a little less leverage, right? But I'm paying you a base salary plus a variable compensation component for a nice, you know, total package including the benefits and all the other things and stock options in a lot of my cases. Right. Yep. And so like, I have a right to, I, like I take it, tell people I pay you a base salary so I can tell you what to do. And yep. one of the things I need you to do is, you know, like, again, it's consistently prospect. It's self-source your own deals. If you're an account executive, it's Salesforce hygiene, CRM hygiene, like it's all of those things. And so, you know, they, you have to lay that out. And then, you know, there's just, it really isn't, you know, I mean, honestly, like, I would term somebody if it was a consistent problem over time, because yeah. it just like, it's just, you know, I mean, it's not like I, I believe in a player privilege, but this is not one of the areas I believe in a player privilege, right? A player privileges. You don't have to come to me for every little discount now. And then you've earned the right to know what the margin should look like and those type of things. But this, like this system is not negotiable. And so, but really it's, it's a bigger, like going back to the accountability culture, it's, that's a piece of it, right? Like, getting people to fill out the CRM is a lot harder when you don't have an accountability culture in general. And so like, exactly, exactly. Now I've had some sales leaders go so far as to say, Hey, you know, when it comes to data hygiene, we're looking at it all the time. If your data hygiene's not there, if it's not at the, the, the minimum threshold, um, which I like to to say, set that really, really high, um, as close to hundred percent as you can. Um, if your hygiene is not there, you're not getting your commission check until it is. Do you agree with that approach or disagree? I do. I really do. Like, I'm just like, I just have no tolerance. I really don't. And I just, there's just no reason for it. And really like, these are the same people that are going to miss quota and wonder why. Right. Right. And I'm, and I was like, listen, like, let's take it. Like, you know, it's just, I have a college age son. And I say like the half the battle in college is just getting out of bed right? Because if you can get out of bed, then you don't even have to shower anymore, right? You just have to like put on, like just put on a clean shirt. You don't even have to have pants and just get in front of the computer. Like you just have to get to class, right? Like, like if you get to class, I guarantee you, you can at least get a seat, right? Just like, just like these are minimum, these are minimum requirements. Um, And I do, you know, and I think, but the, the flip side, by the way, 
talking about the client in Kansas City that I mentioned, you know, like that that CRM system is too complicated, right? right. There are too many fields. The I UI, see that all the time. The UI looks scary. Like it, no. it scared me. Like I pulled it up for the first time and I'm like, oh, I go, where do we even start, guys? Yeah. Like, there are so many fields. You just scroll and scroll and scroll. Oh, yeah. That, that's insane. And that also directly impacts adoption and use and data hygiene. That's right. You're, you're creating these barriers for yeah. your team. That's right. That shouldn't be there. No. And I and I have a one-on-one -on -one with the founder every week. And so we had our one-on-one -on -one yesterday and he said, what other, you know, we talked about one particular issue I was having and I with the team and I said, he goes, what other issues are you having? And I said, oh, the CRM system. I said, the UI is, is like at a place I have never seen. Like, I'll be honest with you. I said, I've never, and, and I, when I got, when I got in there, it's one of the questions I don't always ask, but for some reason, somebody had said something when I was doing my, my prospecting and my discovery call that got my attention. And I said, just out of curiosity, how many people have admin rights to this CRM? And they were like, everybody kind of looked at each other. I go more than 10. They were like, mm. I go, everybody. They're like most people. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you got to shut that down right now. Yeah. I go, you got to shut that down right now. And I said, if you've never worked with a CRM system, like first off, most CRM systems out of the box have 80, 85% of what you need, right? Yeah. The amount of customization you need to do is not extensive. Like yep. you don't need a field for everything. There's, there's always some, there, there's something already there. Right. And so I just said, please shut that down as soon as humanly possible. And, and they even had, they even had a CRM consultant that was, that was already under contract. And, yeah. I, and he was in the room. I looked at him and he, go, he was kind of shook his head like, Sorry, I tried, like I tried already. Um, yeah. But I mean, like every time somebody wanted a data point, they just added a field and I was yeah. like, OMG. And so it's funny because he said, we're having problems with CRM compliance, right? Yeah. And he said, now I'm wondering if it's what you just said, like they uh, look yeah. at it and it just looks so scary that they don't want to do anything. Like yeah. it's just so overwhelming. And I said, yeah, the UI is frightening. Yeah, you can't train people. We once had a client, I kid you not, they had over 300 custom fields on their sales opportunity. Oh. Absolutely nuts. And when you looked at the utilization of those fields, it was a fraction of a percentage. So yeah. you're, you're, I mean, to scroll around and, and you know, they're, they're scrolling and trying to pick the fields, it was nuts. And you know what? No one was using it. No. And no, they're just like, I don't even know what these fields mean. Right. We don't know what I'm supposed to populate, what I don't right. need to populate. Right. right. They weren't training to that. There were just so many core issues that, you know, that we just like, oh my gosh, we're starting over. We're stripping all this crap out and we're starting over and we're gonna, and then, you know, adoption goes up, you know, they're getting good data. They're able to make good decisions. That's right. It transforms everything. Yes, that's right. Yeah, quantitative and qualitative, right? You have to have both. But if you if the quantitative just isn't there, or is it, or you can't trust it, right? I mean, yep. you know, it's bad data in, bad data out. What am I think? If I see golf handicap on CRM, I know, like, oh my god, this is trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, have you seen that? Oh yeah, that was one of the fields that they oh had. My was, god. I'm not kidding. I golf handicap. I'm like, are you kidding me? How is that helping your sales process knowing golf handicap on the opportunity? Um, what? Oh my. Oh yeah. my. I mean, it yeah. was just, I'm yeah. like, that's a runaway train. And that's right what you there. get when you have everyone going, Hey, that's we right. need this field. I want this field. That's right. They make the request, they do it. And two weeks later, they forget why they even asked for it. That's right. That's right. Absolutely happens. Yeah. All the time, all the time. Um, 
this has been great having you on and listening to you. I could go on for hours. I know. Yeah. You and I could talk about this forever. (laughs) (laughs) If people want to reach out and connect with you, they want to learn more about sales acceleration group. What's the best way for that to happen? Yeah. The, the quick and dirty is LinkedIn. Um, so I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm out of St. Louis, Missouri. So that's a, that's a quick and dirty way. My website is salesaccelerationgroup.com. Um, and Christopher, as I mentioned to you, uh, we before we hit the record button, I'm going to put up a special page for your listeners. So salesaccelerationgroup.com front slash sales lead dog. And I'll have some resources up there about some of the things we talked about today. So I'll have some um, information about how to like behavioral based interview questions to ask to ensure you're getting a hunter. Um, I'll put up a sample um, checklist, you know, sales stages checklist, those type. I'll put up some resources that they can grab and that might be helpful to them. Um, because really like, you know, like it, nobody, like the sales job is super hard. Sales leaders job is super hard. Like these are, you know, these are high pressure positions. Um, and, you know, and, and I call them like, I call it a tension filled sport. Um, and so like, you know, any kind of resources that I can provide any kind of, I'm happy to take you again. I say I have 30 minutes for everybody. So if anybody's got a burning issue that they want some quick hit advice on, um, I've, I've always got free advice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I do the same thing on the CRM side. Um, so anyone who's listening, same thing, uh, same offer applies. All Everything she talked about that URL, it'll all be in our show notes. So uh, if you didn't happen to catch it, just go to the show notes. You'll get everything you need to connect with Christy. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great listening to you. Christopher, it was so much fun. Enjoy your weekend. Likewise. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash Sales Lead Dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.